From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me today is Kelly Madrick, who covers appropriations at CQ Roll Call. Thanks for being here again, Kelly. Of course, David. So Congress is finally back in town after a long summer recess, and we're about to be hit by a legislative whirlwind. The race is on to avoid another government shutdown at the end of this month before the new fiscal year begins on October 1st. None of the 12 annual spending bills that are needed to fund the government have been passed yet, and there's only three weeks left to get something done. So, Kelly, what's going to happen? Well, House leadership has already announced that they're going to vote next week on a stopgap spending bill, which would essentially place programs on autopilot from the previous fiscal year, fiscal 2019, um, in order to give more time for negotiation on the final appropriations bills. Yeah, so this is another one of those so-called continuing resolutions that we always seem to need. And House Democrats are saying they want to do it into late November, which of course conflicts with the timeline that the White House put out quietly to members of Congress over the August recess um, in a slate of what are called anomalies. Um, This was a document they transmitted to Congress over the summer saying, hey, if you're going to do a stopgap, these are some of the things we need that would be different than last year's spending. And what was really unique about that 21-page list, which is probably the longest list of anomalies I've ever seen, is that it included everything from aid for farmers affected by Chinese tariff Uh, disagreements to funding for a pavilion at the 2020 World's Fair in Dubai. Threw in everything with the kitchen sink, it sounds like. These are the funding adjustments the White House wants to a a clean or straight continuing resolution that would just extend current funding levels with no changes, right? Yeah, and it just showed, it was kind of a harbinger of uh, the difficult negotiations to come just on negotiating a stopgap. Yeah. um, Because... Typically, you know, sources have told me who are off the hill but who used to be part of appropriations staff, they said, you know, anomalies used to just be these are the things we absolutely need in the case of a stopgap. And that was um, anything but. It was really quite a policy-centric document. And so um, there's going to be this conflict between the House pushing for this clean CR that doesn't contain a lot of um, different legislative provisions and the White House, who's already set out a pretty clear, um, a pretty clear ideological position that even in the stopgap, there should be um, priorities for the White House. Now, of course, this is just an opening bid for the negotiation for the stopgap, and that doesn't even contemplate the larger debate that's going to be um, filling people's time after this, which is finishing the appropriations process. But it just shows just how uh, tortured this next yeah. three weeks might be. So even the stop. Gap could be a struggle. And on top of that, the Senate is trying to make up for lost time because there was an extended period of disagreement over um, what exactly each of the 12 appropriations bill spending levels would be. There still has been, um, it's been very quiet on that front in terms of disclosing what those spending levels will be. And so the Senate hasn't marked up any of the 12 appropriations bills funding the government yet. They had been waiting for this for this bipartisan budget deal to come all mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. which to set overall new spending levels that both parties could agree on. Now, they finally got that budget deal passed just before the summer recess. 
So now, now they can start writing their bills and they're trying to make up for all the lost time. Right? And there will be a peak at the process because Senate appropriators plan to mark up four of those 12 spending bills this week, um, which is, you know, the majority of the discretionary spending that's on the table. That'd be defense, labor, HHS, energy, water, and the state foreign operations appropriations bills, all containing pretty contentious issues that um, Congress has sparred with the Trump administration over foreign aid. Um, DOD appropriations. Um, and, you know, Labor H is the most important bill to Democrats. There's going to be a lot of reluctance from Democrats in the Senate, I believe, to be pushing forward on that bill without completing work on the other spending bills. So that's going to be another kind of conflict that we're going to see play out this week. Yeah. So the Senate's going to try to make up for all that lost time and, and, and advance a slew of spending bills out of committee this week. On paper, it looks like the House is much farther along, right? Because they've already passed 10 of their 12 bills. Yeah, but again, that's just a tally. <laughs> you know, that's just a fraction, really, because they're going to have to cut $18 billion now in non-defense spending if they want their bills to align with the levels in the budget deal that was recently agreed to. And then on top of that, there's this whole separate process going on where the House and the Senate have to be reconciling their individual spending allocations for each of the 12 spending yeah. bills. So even though the House did its bills earlier, there are, those bills are now going to need a rewrite and because it, they're, they're, they would bust the spending limits. Absolutely. And it's um, it seems pretty obvious that the House and Senate are probably engaging in preliminary talks about that. But if the Senate doesn't have its spending levels completely agreed to for their 12 bills, they certainly can't take you know, their levels and then start negotiating them with the House either. So this is quite the time crunch on multiple different levels. But it all goes back to preventing a government shutdown, which everyone appears to be in agreement that they want. And so the real immediate fight is going to be um, how far do we keep spending on autopilot and for how long? So now we're going to see this mad sprint all September to get these spending bills written so the conference negotiations can get going. Exactly. But meanwhile, we've had a long summer recess. Normally, the August recess is, is quiet and tempers can cool down and everybody goes home and, and talks to their constituents. But we've had a slew of developments over the recess that s promise to make appropriations even more difficult, right? On some of the most difficult bills. I mean, you look at um, the recent slate of mass shootings that gripped the country yeah. over the summer, then you have... So there's a push now for gun control, which isn't necessarily an appropriations issue, but could easily become a policy rider on, an, on a spending bill, right? Absolutely. I mean, for years now, we've had a tortured debate over what's called the Dickey Amendment, which is a simple funding limitation that uh, prohibits the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention from doing research that's particularly aimed at gun violence and its effect on public health. And House, House Democrats now want money for gun violence that's, research. Yeah, that's sure to come up. Um, you know, border uh, border issues run the gamut. Um, one of the particularly interesting problems I see is that House appropriators on the very liberal side pushed for a bunch of um, policy writers in the Homeland Security spending bill to buck the Trump administration's recent, recent actions on immigration. Um, and doing so cost them over $3 billion uh, in additional appropriations on that bill. So that's going to have to be reconciled. Um, you yeah, know, you mean now the Pentagon just last week? 
announced it was going to begin diverting $3.5 billion, $3.6 billion from military construction projects. That's a whole nother issue. To fund the border wall, which triggered a whole new round of outrage from Democrats. And that problem makes uh, the military construction VA bill a particularly tortured um, negotiation because there's a lot of demand already for funding military construction projects in the pipeline. And over the weekend, we heard Senator Roy Blunt, um, Republican of, of Missouri, saying that um, while it's not a done deal that they're going to backfill spending for that pro- those projects, even if they do, they'll be delayed. And so um, – you know, hearing from a top leadership Republican that they're not sure if they can put money back into those projects at this stage in the process um, introduces a whole nother level of confusion. And I think part of why, and I'm kind of reading into the tea leaves here, but I think part of why he said that is because some Democrats will view backfilling those military construction projects that were raided by the Trump administration. They'll view putting money back into those projects as a tacit approval of funding for the border wall. So then it becomes another symbolic policy argument over immigration that, again, doesn't have very much to do with funding the government. It only has a small bit of, of relevance to funding the government, but it takes over the entire process right. and it tortures the entire process to the point where the focus becomes so granular that there's no way uh, that they can look more globally and it just bogs everything down. And I think we have Senator Blunt uh, speaking on this issue of, of diverting military construction money to the border wall from Meet the Press Sunday. Let's play a bit of that. Not, not a done deal, but uh, even if the money is replenished, the projects get done on a slower schedule than they would have otherwise. Uh, I, so I you don't like this. Matt, I, I, I don't do. think voting on this based on whether your project is included is yeah. the reason to vote. I think so, Kelly, beyond the border wall, which is the perennial issue that has uh, – Last, we should say, I mean, last year, the <clears throat> fight over the border wall caused the largest partial government shutdown in history. And there's no guarantee we don't face that again this year because because President Trump wants still more money for the border wall and House Democrats Democrats generally don't want to give it to him. So Absolutely. That, that fight is going to resurface again. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I'm really going to be watching is foreign aid. And part of the reason is because the Trump administration made it such a focus this August. Um, and that's another one from the recess. That- yeah, which was kind of surprising because they could have filled the agenda with anything, but they chose to fill many weeks of this with um, the potential that they would cut uh, funding for for foreign for foreign aid projects um, uh, in a way that would give Congress little to no ability to stop them from doing so. They ultimately pulled back on that plan. I'm told in in great part because Republicans put up a huge fight in addition to Democrats. Yeah, this was an attempt to cancel over $4 billion of money Congress had already approved this current fiscal year for foreign aid that the Trump administration has never liked. And so they saw an opportunity here to try to claw it back, but then thought better of it, I guess, realizing it wasn't going to get – they would just get too many protests from both sides of the aisle, right? Yeah. So State Department and other international peacekeeping groups are going to be lobbying like mad, and they already have been, to their um, defenders on the Hill to do something to try to either check or – or, you know, uh, swipe back at that. And the appropriations process will be the primetime place to do it. So, And the administration backed off of that effort, but, but there's a new fight over foreign aid that's still looming, that's still going to cause problems, which is military aid to Ukraine, right? Yeah, that's another issue where the administration is kind of uh, p- kind of 
inserting themselves in a novel way into the appropriations process. And it basically prompts an answer from the top spending lawmakers in Congress. How are they going to respond to this using the process they have, which is marking up spending bills, conferencing them between the House and Senate, and sending them to the president? And so um, that just creates another element of um, potential disagreement between um, the House, the Senate, and the White House um, as everyone tries to kind of finish this process. But um, yeah, at this point, we're we're barely even started. It we seems. should explain there's about $250 million worth of military aid to Ukraine already approved by Congress that the administration is now holding up or slow walking to conduct a special review of it, mm-hmm. which, which out, really outraged Democrats and even some Republicans who saw it as a sop to Russia uh, for – abandoning our our quasi-ally Ukraine. And it's just another example of kind of pushing the boundaries of this bedrock budget law that places the um, oversight of spending squarely in the hands of Congress, the law called the Impoundment Control Act. Um, And there are plenty of lawyers and plenty of interests watching as um, the Office of Management and Budget, the the budget um, um, heads in the White House, kind of take different types of uh, approaches to um, clamping down on spending. Some people believe that's actually constitutes an illegal deferral of spending. Um, That's not really been tested in court. But the threat of legal battles over how the White House is, um, you know, apportioning funds and spending money directed by Congress um, just adds another element of conflict. Um, And there are a lot of people who are kind of seeing this as just another signal of a lack of uh, good faith negotiation from the White House. And that creates an even more complicated relationship as leadership tries to negotiate these um, must-pass pieces of legislation that if they can't get them enacted, we'd have a government shutdown. And, um, you know, it seems like nobody in Washington, even the White House, really wants that. But um, the conflict underpinning all of that, um, the, the, the baseline threat there is, is a shutdown. And so it's going to be quite a dramatic few weeks in Washington as we come back from the summer break. Okay. So we'll be watching this mad sprint this month to the appropriations finish line, and CQ will be covering it all for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. It's cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. My thanks again to Kelly Madrick, our appropriations reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, David. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. See you next week. Yeah.